Welcome to the Learning 3.0 podcast. I'm Rustika Lamb from Bloom, and in each episode, I chat to learning and technology thought leaders and how to support business performance through people performance. In this session, I interview Chris Tompkins, who's the director of sales for Rustacy. Now, what couldn't you like about a name like that? He's been over there for 10 years and previously was, his title was called Evangelicist. However, I would say that probably describes him very well right now. Rustacy helps e-learning companies play nicely together. Now, isn't that a great description and uh, certainly an ideal in this world? The topic we talked about is SCORM Dead, which is rather an interesting topic because there's things such as SCORM 1.2, 2004, there's XAPI, there's CMI5, so many of these things. And the reason I had this topic was there's been great discussion around is, is SCORM Dead. Well, I tell you what, from talking to him, it is obviously not. Very, very enlightening topic that we talked about. We talked about some of the benefits and we talked about some of the use cases. So if you were of the uh, view that I previously was, that SCORM probably was dead, uh, this is well worth a listen. Enjoy this and would love your feedback and don't forget to subscribe and follow us for more enlightening people, products, methodologies, tools and people. Thanks for listening. Well, welcome, Chris, to the Learning 3.0 podcast. It's great to have you on. Thank you. Um, it's my pleasure to be here. I appreciate your time. Good, good. And I'm always really happy to talk to someone who's got a company name that's similar to mine. So you <laughs> explain the pronunciation, because I know we did have talked about this. Yeah, our company is named after our founder, Mike Rustacy. So it's pronounced Rustacy Software. Um, yeah, we're from Tennessee, and he's no longer with our organization, but his name and the weird pronunciation lives on. <laughs> well, it's a bit of a legacy, isn't it, when we talk about leaving a legacy? Yeah, he's got it in, in, in the company he's left there. So that's yeah. really awesome. So you were saying just before we sort of jumped on that your work day is at four o'clock, your house is at two o'clock and we're at 8.30 in the morning ahead of time in the future. Um, tell, tell me, so where are you working? What's the time to our time difference? How come? Yeah, so I live in Seattle, Washington, um, but my colleagues are all in Nashville, Tennessee. So my workday starts a little earlier local time, um, but I get off early and get to go play outside. And Seattle is quite the playground for that. So it's, it's great. I, I enjoy it. But time is mostly an illusion. I talk to people all over the world every day, <laughs> whenever it makes sense to connect. Absolutely. Now that's really awesome. So uh, so are you going to DevLearn this year out of interest? Absolutely. Yeah, we'll Las be Vegas. there. Uh-huh. We sure will. And I'm looking forward to it. I just got back from ATD as well as Learning Technologies UK and the eLearning Guild's Learning Solutions before that. So we're back in full conference mode. Um, yeah. It's good to be back. Awesome. Oh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll meet you in person. I'm going to go to DevLearn in October. So, oh, fantastic. Um, well, I'll look forward to that. I hear it's like quite, for people like us in this part of the world, quite mind-blowing that the actual sheer size of it. I mean, UK Technologies is, but I hear it's even bigger again. So, Oh, yeah. <gasps> DevLearn is always one of the largest every year, and it, it'll be a lot of fun. It's um, one we go to all the time, and I missed it in the couple of years we took off. So I'm, I'm glad to see yeah. it's back, and I was there uh, back in the fall. So it, it felt nice. great to be back. Nice, nice. Excellent. Well, I know you and I started talking uh, around the fact that we were looking at developing some software that we needed to SCORM wrap. And um, mm -hmm. I just, and, and there's all that, always that conversation is, oh, SCORM's old, SCORM's dead. Yeah, you know, if you've got SCORM, you're behind the times. <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> sure. But your explanation to me was like so so good. I, that's why I've, I've been invited you to, to come and actually have a chat and just share some of that because I think, you know, I was under the impression that, you know, if I sort of recommended school, my, I might be seen a bit old school and a bit behind the times. <laughs> so um, so I guess for our, for our listeners, um, it'd be really good if you could just explain what SCORM is. Of course. Well, not a mis, uh, not an uncommon uh, misunderstanding around SCORM. It's a question I've been getting for, I don't know, the last 11 years of my time at Rustacy, and the company turned 20 years old back in the spring. So we're we're on a long road here of helping people through these type of questions, and it's a common one. Um, I think anytime those of us that work in tech all day bump into something that is 22 years old, we go, ew, why? Why would I Why would I ever do this? We, we're technologists. Everything changes every 18 months and we have to keep up. 
Um, but, you know, SCORM itself is a standard. It is an e-learning interoperability standard. Put simply, it helps two e-learning products play nicely with one another. And it's a weird moment. The, the SCORM standard was created by a Department of Defense group called ADL, Advanced Distributive Learning. Their website is adlnet.gov, and you can go see the SCORM specification in all of its mm -hmm. glory. Um, but the standard is really designed to help people around the world play a thing and track a thing. And it stands mm -hmm. for the shareable content object reference model, although most people don't ever know that, and it's fine. It's it's still <laughs> a good way to work together. And in the e-learning industry, it has become the way in which tools have agreed to package a course so that it plays the same way and tracks the learner the same way every time. Um, 23 years ago, we would end up with online learning for, let's call it the military. And I'm not actually smart enough to talk about it at the DOD level. It's kind of big and monolithic, but mostly we were trying to solve the problem of, hey, e-learning has a lot of inherent advantages. Do it whenever you want, from wherever you want. You don't have to be face-to-face. -face. And if you're a mechanic in the army, logging into jeeptraining.com, to learn how to repair Jeeps is fine. Humvtraining.com has some great materials. Tanktraining.com is owned by somebody else, and that's great too. But seeing a learner's journey through all of these unrelated third-party portals became very hard. So mm -hmm. the Department of Defense used ADL to say, you can sell training to, to the government so long as you deliver a SCORM package. That mm -hmm. way, all of the different subject matter experts had something to anchor to, so that the army fast forward to today can have one LMS to rule them all and they can bring in all the training they want so long as the deliverable is a SCORM package. It gave the industry something to anchor to and that kind of made its way into every other vertical I can think of from <laughs> finance and real estate and healthcare and manufacturing and corporate training and legal stuff. Hey, it turns out having an agreed upon way to play a thing and track a thing is useful. Yeah. Play a thing, track a thing. I already like that. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> when we, when we first spoke, um, we, you were talking about, you know, well, Hey, what about the MP4? You know, that's sure. also been around 20 years and why are we not, you know, MP4 is dead, you know, <laughs> so right, right, right. talk a little bit about that. Cause I think yeah, that's quite a good yeah. analogy. I think so. Yeah. It's so really, I think the common criticism of SCORM is this is old, so we must move on. But in mm -hmm. fact, when it comes to standards, it is the one time in tech where something's age is actually its strength. Mm -hmm. So the MP3 is the only piece of software on my modern iPhone that I've bothered to put on every other device in my pocket since the 90s. Uh, MP3, not MP4. Got it. Sure, yes. but Audio it's on the same. Yeah, <laughs> the same line though of thought, and you know the the same songs that were on my iPod and my Shuffle, and I, I think I told you last time how proud I was of my Zune at the time because that was a thing <laughs> that we all had, and hey, the same songs are still with me because they are a file that a band made that's moved between all of my devices. And I even rented a car not long ago and they had a USB stick in the dash. And I know that that's not a big deal to us. Of course, man, you can put a thumb drive in there and play songs. But to have everyone in the world agree that this is how a song has a beginning, a middle and end with some metadata. And when you hit the triangle button, it just plays. Yeah. And there are other music standards, FLAC and Apple lossless, and both are great in their own ways. But if all of these devices don't support them in the same way, it's not as useful. Mm -hmm. So SCORM, and to be really specific, SCORM 1.2 is the common e-learning standard found everywhere. Almost mm -hmm. every authoring tool in the market can save as a SCORM file that will play and bookmark and give you the basic tracking. And every LMS from Moodle to custom built platforms to Blackboard, Canvas, Bridge, DesireLearn, Paycom, Workday, Oracle, SAP, SuccessFactors, Cornerstone, you name it, they mm -hmm. all have a Storm player. And mm -hmm. so using this standard as just, hey, we need a thing to play and track in this system over here, SCORM is well ingrained. And yeah. I, I think in the music industry, the MP3 has five years, 10 years. 20 years of life left in it? Like, at what point are we going to move on? I, I don't know, but I think SCORM trails that. <laughs> um, 
because it is a, a commonly used method that is integrated and done and people trust it and it works. So mm -hmm. in the e-learning industry, when I hear people talk about, hey, our library supports SCORM, our authoring supports SCORM, our LMS supports SCORM, I, I go, yeah, of course it does. It sounds like you, you want tools that are interoperable and turnkey and SCORM 1.2 does a lot of what people have been wanting. Um, mm. There are advanced standards. There are better ways to do some of these things, but for a basic tool to do a basic job, wow, I think that actually SCORM is one of the strongest things in the industry. It's one of the common threads. And I'm one of the people who want to advance this and kill SCORM. I'm actively trying to do that. But I think it is important to take a breath and go, for a lot of people in the industry, this might be all you need. And that's yeah. a good moment to have so that we can move on to other problems to solve. And mm. there are plenty in this space to go <laughs> on. So what's the difference between 1.2 and 2004? Yeah, great question. Um, there are technical differences between the standards. Um, some of them are how long of a response you can have. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but SCORM 2004 gives you an essay instead of a short answer amount of characters to move around. But mostly SCORM 2004 brings something called sequencing and navigation. Imagine a choose your own adventure style to a course where you could ask mm -hmm pre-test, have variable content and a post-test to measure efficacy. Or I'm a kid of the 80s and I used to read these paperback novels called Choose Your Please. Own Adventure. Yeah, um, that moment where the author says, if you want to go into the cave, turn to page 23. If the road looks safer, go to page 95. The creator of the experience still has to build it all, but you offer moments where a learner can choose their own adventure through a platform. So SCORM 2004 does that and does it really well, but it comes in three different editions, second, third, and fourth, that all uh -huh. fundamentally hate one another and have no backwards compatibility really with SCORM 1.2. So right. when you start to say, I have SCORM 2004 stuff, great if you're using it for the choose your own adventure and, and some of the more complicated things. But using SCORM 2004 fourth edition because it's the latest version of SCORM could create a ton of extra work and headaches that SCORM 1.2 can just solve. So yeah. I would caution people, even within SCORM, at reaching to the newest because in our SCORM cloud platform, we can see millions of course launches each and every month. And three out of four of them roughly are still SCORM 1.2 today. So it is pervasive and used a lot. And I like all of these other standards and even the flavors of SCORM 1.2, but think of them as tools in your toolbox. And they're mm -hmm. used in a specialty way. And you don't want to just grab the shiniest new specialized tool when the, the the same one will work. Screwdrivers, sockets, and wrenches, uh, you probably call them spanners. Um, <laughs> they all turn a threaded bolt. But depending on the situation you can find yourself in, one of these is much easier to use than the other. And that's really the advice I would give folks who are trying to pick between a standard. I don't know, whichever one does what you need it to do the easiest is probably the one yeah. you should so one. So what came first, 1.2 or 2004? 1.2 was the first real functional version, and mm -hmm. it, it grew roots quickly. And yeah. when SCORM 2004 came along, it was because people were saying, but I want to also do this, and I want to do this. And the feature creep started to expand what was needed from the standards body. And the mm -hmm. standards body responded, and people built these new things. But having every authoring tool re-implement a publishing moment, having every LMS add the additional three players that all work in the same way, <clears throat> screaming into the ether, hey, you need to implement this new thing is quite <laughs> hard and difficult. Yeah. So the road that SCORM 1.2 made was easier to implement, more stable, has a bunch of users behind it, and we see that stability add a lot of value, kind of what right. I was saying earlier. Mm. So would you say 2004, 4th edition, you would use that in which use case? Um, I would just, use, just the branched? Yeah, I would use it when you have a pretest, a post-test, a non-linear path through content. You need advanced sequencing and navigation and unlocking rules. And there are, 
some of the coolest content out on the market is advanced Scorm 2004 4th edition content. But often there are requirements and certain certifications and things that are driving that advancement where you could just have a bunch of Scorm 1.2 files and let the LMS do a little more of that sequencing and and work. So there are a couple different approaches that work for everybody. So you'd get better reporting Mm -hmm. on more things out of 2004 version four you can you can it gets into what the score world calls an interaction that's Mm -hmm. a response that a learner has to a specific asset whether it was right or wrong it time stamps it tells you what the right answer should have been and and some other things that certainly you can uh we have links and plenty of materials that go deep into that spec but Mm -hmm. effectively if you're trying to get better assets to understand how people are influenced by different pedagogical approaches to learning and things that's all been built into what these interactions sequences and navigational tools provide and it goes quite deep for folks who are trying to really leverage things in the way that some of these thought leaders have prescribed Mm. and i think that's the thing the question is like why would we even want to track that stuff anyway because there's like (laughs) unless there's a reason for tracking it why why Mm -hmm. track it so yeah yeah, um, and we've seen, you know, sometimes it's good to know what a specific answer was for a compliance program. No, no, no we know he answered in this way, but mm-hmm. we've also seen content teams studying their own outcomes. I, I feel very strongly that content teams that can see how people are interacting with their content can build better content. And yeah. I've run into several occasions over the years where a content team started to look at just in aggregate, how is everyone answering all of these questions and going, oh my goodness, we're 30 people in and no one's ever answered question three correctly. Yeah. Well, is well, it why question, is that? Is it the question <laughs> or is it the content's missing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm probably the guy that, that marked the wrong answer is correct. And being able to fix my mistake after 30 people instead of 30,000, ooh, we just had a big man hours moment. So I think that certainly tracking more, but using it with intent, Um, go go check in on some of these these data points, see how they're influencing your content. That's the value that these standards bring. Doing it for fun is a lot of extra effort and in some cases can dramatically impact the cost of a project fully burdened Mm. from an LMS that has to have a SCORM 2004 player because you put it in your RFP and that can dramatically change what the spend is or how much it takes to bid to build that course or something. So sometimes these little acronyms have big impacts. Use them if you need them, but don't make it harder than it needs to be because that's not the strength of these weird standards. And I know that that feels unintuitive at times, but (laughs) use the tool that makes the sense for the job you're trying to solve. So when you say there's uh, lots of resources, is this this on your website? So if people wanted to delve further into that and understand the use case and how it works on your website? Sure. So scorm.com, xapi.com, which we'll talk about probably next. Um, yeah. <laughs> Those are just sites about the resources themselves. Rest to see certainly keeps them up to date and puts all of the thought leadership we can in there. Um, there are prototypes and examples and runtime reference guides. And for folks who are really want to get into the weeds on the standards themselves, those sites have a lot of guides and deep dives into those resources. So certainly if folks are trying to learn more about the standards themselves, scorm.com and xapi.com are fantastic places to get started with nothing but guidance around the standards themselves on there. And including use cases? Uh, There are some use cases for the standards specifically. you know, at rusticysoftware.com, my company site, we actually have a ton of use cases of implementing these things and using tools. That's more of a commercialized type of approach. But for the standards themselves, yes, there are still prototypes and use cases and stories about the spec on its own. Yeah, excellent. That's great. That's good. So, so apart from the fact that 
there's a mindset around, um, oh, it's, it's, it's more than 18 months old, therefore we've got to keep up to date, we've got to change it. <laughs> what, what do you th- why do you think the criticism? Um, you know, there are newer specifications out there, and part of moving the, the whole universe is getting the groundswell to something new. Um, XAPI is the latest and greatest from ADL. Um, personally been involved with it for a while. So Rustacy has put a lot of thought leadership and effort into helping build a community and a specification that helps people. Um, so some of it is the hype machine, the the latest buzzword in tech. And we've yeah. certainly seen that even through a lot of trade shows. And it's amazing. It, it's cool to see people get excited about such a niche e-learning standards world. I'm I'm always <laughs> flattered when I hear these words outside of uh, my own walls. Um, but you know, there are really exciting things to do, and I love when people want to push and ask for that next gen thing because they they see the path we're walking on. And you know, there are things about SCORM that are really hard in the modern world. Um, if you'd pulled an 5G connected iPad out of your pocket 22 years ago when they were writing the SCORM specification, I'm pretty sure they would have called you a witch and shooed you out of the room. Like it, <laughs> There were things going on back then that we, we just never considered about what would happen today. So yeah. there is a certain groundswell that I think is respectful of, yeah, we got to go push and we're kind of annoyed that you guys are still doing the old way because if you did the new way, we could do all these other things. So that excitement, I think sometimes it's vitriol um, tied to the old word, but I'm just flattered people care um, at the end of the day because that's <laughs> really how we have a better discussion, how we find what's next. Mm. So let's, let's so there's XAPI and there's also um, this is CMI5, 1, 5. See my five. High five. Very good. So tell us the difference between that those two standards and say SCORM. Yeah. So uh, from the makers of SCORM, ADL is in charge of all of these things. ADLnet.gov has the full XAPI and CMI5 specifications. Um, Rustacy recently participated in something called Project Catapult, where back in the fall we released a ton of resources, guides, um, prototypes, players open source tools to help people adopt these standards quicker. And the XAPI standard is now six years old, somewhere in that neighborhood. Okay. And it is designed. It feels feels longer than that. uh, Maybe. I mean, the the early rumblings, Project 10 Can was a full 10 or 11 years ago. Um, Project 10 Can, where we did all of the research that rolled into the 10 Can API, um, which is often synonymous with XAPI, but are are two different things on that timeline. Um, XAPI is the fully baked standard. It is a noun verb object that can travel between learning and training systems. Um, Those statements live in something called a learning record store, an LRS, which at the simplest level is a database that has nouns, verbs, and objects in it. This is designed to allow a group of folks to watch how a learner engages in traditional e-learning, live hands-on training, simulations, correlate that with real-world job performance. To use a real-world example, in healthcare, a nurse has to take continuing education credits to maintain their certification for CPR every year. You've got to go take your content. And they do that through the LMS, and that's great. The next mandatory step is that, okay, we we saw in the LMS that you took a course, passed, spent 63 of the required 60 minutes, got a score of 98, ta-da, you know CPR. Uh, Maybe. And in fact... You might know it. (laughs) Show me. And you have to practice the chest compressions and the breathing on the recessian dummy. So... For 20 years, they would print out a paper certificate that would say, Chris, pass the CPR training and file that away in HR for whoever it is that audits a a CPR test. Um, But with XAPI, we've discovered that, well, these dummies are networked and wired, and they say, Chris revived me, and Chris used this forcefulness of chest compression and this rhythm and this breath volume metadata that's woefully lost on a paper certificate. And so XAPI frees us up to say, the simulator can talk to these learning people in this way. And that's all XAPI really does. It that's allows a great us- example. That's a great example. Thank you. 
Yeah, it the last leg is that the nurse goes out onto the hospital room floor and they practice CPR on live human beings. And every hospital in the world pretty much writes down Chris administered Tylenol today. Chris changed the bed sheets. Chris used CPR. They have a yeah. patient interaction layer of software. So without any additional data entry burden, it can just make a statement to the LRS at the hospital that says Chris revived a human being. And when we start to keep real-world job performance, training and simulation data, and real-world uh, e-learning results in the same database, the LRS, and in the same mm -hmm. context, that noun, verb, object, we can start to analyze what's working. And that's the magic moment. There are tools out there, um, learning record stores like Watershed, Yet Analytics, Learning Locker, and, and a bunch of others that go in and look at the efficacy oh, this nurse is actually 30% better at saving lives than anyone else on staff. Oh, they're the only ones that got question three correct in the quiz and also pushed down hard enough to break ribs but save lives. Mm -hmm. Their correlation between question three, how hard do you push down, and what they do in the simulator, if we train everyone else like that, we could increase our, our desired outcome. Mm -hmm. And that's really what's starting to happening in the learning and training and simulation space is look at all of these different ways that we are trying to teach people and measure their outcomes. What if we had a common thread to tie this data together? That's mm -hmm. what XAPI is designed to accomplish. It is a communications protocol that allows these seemingly unrelated systems to say things simply to one central. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does indeed. So the so the nurse who's on the floor who has now revived someone puts that into their nurse or their patient record system, for example. The patient record system would need to be XAPI compliant to be able to get back into the record store. That's right. Yeah. And are most, are most sort of tech, modern tech XAPI? We're seeing a growing number, um, you know, right. all around the world in different markets. Who knows <laughs> what the, the penetration is? But it is certainly an easier sell to go to a provider and say, hey, you could do this with a custom REST API connected to their Tableau or Power BI or, or some other tool. Yes. Or you yes. can implement this standard once and, and not have to maintain your own custom approach to this or these yeah. custom database exports. People are already taking data out. Mm -mm. The play here is that if everyone agrees on a standard, wow, the interconnectedness of these systems, the turnkey ways that data could work, become far cheaper than trying to maintain a bunch of independent integrations, business by business, company by company. And it's mm. the playing nice at scale that ends up really moving the needle. That's right. So, and you, and you, so you probably know Torrance Learning do their, okay. they do their, um, is it must be quarterly or half yearly, they can XAPI project and people from all over the world get together and work on projects and learn how to use XAPI. XAPI I couldn't yeah. recommend it more. Um, Megan is a friend. I have nothing but kind what? words to say. And the cohort is building an army of people who know how to implement XAPI. Yeah. The real world application. They do prototypes and demos. I speak at it every time they'll have me. Awesome. Uh, they are they are my people. And you <laughs> know, I think <laughs> some of the the best and coolest XAPI practitioners in the world are graduates of the XAPI cohort. So props to what Megan is doing and we support that in any way we can. Um, Good. I, I think she might be changing the world one person at a time. But <laughs> Megan Megan is special for sure. Um, and the cohort is something I would highly recommend to anybody interested in, in getting their hands dirty with XAPI. It is a fantastic first step. Good. And that's what I I've, I thought. And I thought, is there anything else? But it sounds like that would be the very first place to start. One of them. I mean, there are a lot of, it's a semester long type of learning experience. And some people just want to get their hands dirty. Hey, XAPI.com has everything you need to get your hands dirty. Um, so. Good. There are plenty of resources out there to, to go at whatever pace somebody wants to learn. Nice. Yeah, that's great. Okay. See, oh I still need to get this. CMI5. Yeah. Tell us about that. <laughs> CMI5 is a subset of the XAPI standard. Mm -hmm. um, XAPI just says, hey, nouns, verbs, and objects live in a learning record store. 
So SCORM Cloud provides a free learning record store that anyone in the world can use. And xapi.com slash libraries have all of the open source tools you need to make your own statements and send them to a place. It's XAPI day one type of stuff, especially if you're in the cohort. Well, XAPI doesn't care what you say. So you might send a statement um, to the LRS because you're a healthcare company that um, uh, let's use a different example. Uh, you're an HR company. Chris fired an employee. You got to know things. You're trying to measure employee performance. Rustacy is a bunch of Department of Defense customers that send statements to an LRS that say Chris fired a weapon because he's in a live fire exercise or something. Uh, we get grade school companies that are studying the arts programs, and they're going to send us a statement that says Chris fired a kiln because he's in a pottery class. <laughs> fired, fired, and fired have three very different meanings in how we're trying to understand what someone is doing. Mm -hmm. CMI5 is the latest from this. It will use XAPI as the communications protocol, but it governs what you're trying to say. So mm -hmm. XAPI could never kill SCORM, but CMI5 might, and it right. probably should. And <laughs> we put a lot of work into this, and it's less than a year out from the Catapult release, but CMI5 provides the launch mechanism that people have been wanting. A way to say, I live in this LMS over here. I want to launch this thing. I want it to go over to a different web page, a simulator, an employment system, whatever, a live exercise, a meeting attendance, and I want it to say things back. Chris did this. Chris passed, failed, scored, the big four type of moments, which mm -hmm. we've put off long enough. SCORM <laughs> can do the big four. Time, completion, pass, fail, and score. If I give you a knowledge check after a meeting in the hallway, hey, what'd you learn? I've got to know, are you still working on this? Are you done? Did you pass? Did you fail? What was your score? It's the basics. We can uh -huh. use a number two pencil. We could answer a handwritten quiz. And there's only one way to do that. And if I took two and a half hours and you took two and a half minutes, well, that's interesting too. So CMI5 does what SCORM can do is give the industry one way to say, Chris attempted, Chris passed, Chris failed, Chris scored, the basics that we all need to know. And CMI5 is going to govern launch and basic tracking in a universal way that you can build a CMI5 course, you can give it to a CMI5 player, and everything's just going to work. And none of the plumbing will have to be redone. And for the first time, we might have something that could shake loose. SCORM. Do I think we're going to just throw SCORM away tomorrow? No, but there are a lot of systems that can automatically convert SCORM into XAPI, and now new content can be CMI5. And if you give a, a tool that does more, better, faster, stronger, and put it in everybody's hands, likelihood that they're going to keep using it. So CMI5 is something I'm very excited about. It's the thing that I think gets us from the mode we've been comfortable with in the last 20 years of logging into a system, hitting the triangle button, playing a thing with a beginning, a middle, and an end, and seeing the big four on the other side, you could use SCORM 1.2, you could use SCORM 2004, or you could use CMI 5. And I think over time, we're going to see a blend of SCORM 1.2 and CMI 5 grow. And we might be able to unseat this. And I'm excited. I think we'll end up supporting both for quite a while. But yeah. this is the path that I think is really exciting and certainly something that will make the adoption of XAPI overall go way up. Yeah. So so are you saying, just to clarify, so CMI5 will be basically a combination of both. So you can actually do in your LMS knowledge type stuff and performance-based stuff. So it does both and it, it does, does around the big and it does around the big four mm -hmm. time time completion yeah. pass score. Yeah, nice. Because it's nice to have those in VR and AR and XR and in real life training and out in the field and inside your your sales application and in your learning application. People are learning in an ecosystem these days. That's and right. freeing these things up to just intercommunicate means, hey, we don't have to worry about disrupting the one LMS to rule them all. What what if we could just go learn where people want to learn and put play buttons in the applications they live in or at the sites they go to? And 
that freedom gives CMI5 a whole lot of hand-waviness of, yeah, just go do what you want. Tell us who did it. Give us some CMI5 statements. We'll we'll make sense of the reports later. Mm-hmm. So do all LMSs have a player for CMI5? Not yet. And that's not yet. the message that's I need coming. people to hear. Hey, we've got to implement these things slowly. Rust2C is behind the scenes in a lot of places, and we're encouraging people to upgrade their tools behind the scenes, but folks have got to ask for it. Um, that mm. becomes the the fastest way for these standards to be implemented is for folks who care, who use these things day in and day out to say the, the, the latest thing. Now, don't get mad if they say they only support SCORM 1.2, but every time someone asks, it's kicking on the machine, product teams go and look at things. And I think that there are real reasons why new platforms, new authoring products, new simulators should all look at CMI5 as the cheaper, stronger, faster, better option. Um, mm. Adoption is lower than I want it to be, but we're early in these games. E-learning standards uh, move at glacial speeds, but they, <laughs> they do move. Rusticy's been at it 20 years. I've been at it 11. We see real change. And I'm grateful for people like you who help us talk to a wider audience and have a weird conversation about some seemingly boring things that actually really help this industry move together stronger. Yeah, well, well I think, yes, it could be. And I think a lot of, um, you know, learning practitioners are very, like to create things. They're in that sort of creative space. They like to go out and talk to people. Whereas that whole, that whole data background, there's not a lot in the learning space. I think there's more happening um, and I think it's just like, oh, my God, how do I do that? Don't know. Would rather yeah. create pretty things and, and fun things and engaging things in VR and, I, and I go that way rather than the sort of, well, what are we actually tracking and measuring? So I think mm-hmm. the more we can get that out. And I guess it's for them. It's like, how do I find these people to, to make this stuff for me while I go and do the pretty fun, engaging stuff? Yeah. So, which I think is where, you know, the Torrance Learning Cohorts would be a good place to start. If, if they were looking for someone to say, like, actually, that CMI5 sounds amazing. I just absolutely want to like, make sure we our whole ecosystem does that and tracks it that way. What would they look for? Who would they be looking for? Is it a full stack developer? No, it's not. You know, is it, or is it a coder? Maybe. Or is it, what is it? <laughs> Who is it? Yeah. Um, so it might just be tools that already support and know a lot about the standards. Um, there are authoring products out there that are loud and proud. Hey, we already support CMI5 and do a lot of crazy things with it. Domino is an easy example of mm. one that's really Domino. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. great. Their CMI5 support is amazing. So, you know, they're amazing. Okay, lo- good. looking for some of those acronyms within the tools you already use and love is the first mm-hmm. way derive value from them and people will go do more of those things. There's LMSs that are starting to add more CMI5 player support and that list is already quite long. And just asking and using these tools is one of the best ways to help it get up and off the ground is just use them. And a lot of the people who are excited about CMI5 would be very flattered if people just started to use it. <laughs> um, and I, I'm sure it's happening you know, more than I'm leading on here. But yeah, that that's the easiest. Most instructional designers, most LMS administrators, just people living in this space, don't really even need to know the inner workings or the technical nature of how these standards behave. It, it is a turnkey plug and play type of situation. So looking to see if tools have SCORM 1.2, Forum 2004, AICC, XAPI, CMI5, there are a lot of acronyms there. If people need a crash course on, hey, I this acronym list is long and I don't know what any of these do, ask us anything really. Rustacy knows everything there is to know about a very long list of weird e-learning standards and we're not trying to sell people things. <laughs> we're mostly here to help them get good use out of these things. So. So ask, ask us anything really is written on almost every page of our website. And we're always happy to say, hey, it sounds like you're trying to do this. Would you like the easier tool to do that with? And that's mostly the guidance that we provide day in and day out to normal instructional designers and, and LMS admins. Yeah, and and that's right. You've you've you're very open with your time, and and you can tell that you're really willing to help. And as you say, you're 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 unbiased, and because you play with everybody. So yeah, we 
We try to. You found the one thing in the world we're good at, these e-learning standards. So ask us anything, really. It's always a flattering moment to have someone show up and, and ask a weird question. Um, because it, when this is your niche and the one thing that you really do day in and day out, we're, we're here to go as deep as people need. And we're just trying to be good stewards of this one weird thing that we've happened to master. Um, but we are pretty good at this one thing. Yeah. Awesome. That's really good. In fact, you've made me realize we're in the development for finderlms.io. So we've got over yeah. eight, 800 LMSs in there. It's like a, it's like a matching service. Uh-huh. And I've just been thinking recently, it's a, it's a bit like Tinder for LMSs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they'll get a match, yeah, one, two, three. But I need to check the – I've got a functional database of over a 1,000 features. But now having spoken to you, I'm thinking I probably need to go and check. We've got CMI5 and XAPI. Sure. And, the standards in there um but we also want to be able to coach people along as they're putting in their requirements yeah little pop they said what is x api what is because obviously they may not know so that's good thank you for that i'll be going to do that um, um my origin story here is very similar to that um i came aboard at rust to see to build something called the e-learning atlas where we had a list of standards and i went along with my partner in crime at the time jenna uh we called thousands of authoring <laughs> tools and LMSs, just <laughs> trying to figure out, do you support SCORB? Do I support what? <laughs> um, and hats off. I know what a challenge that is to do. And every time I've ever looked at how big and vast is this industry, really, it's way bigger and vaster than I ever imagined it could be. Um, mm-hmm. These standards impact a lot of people every day, and that's really been eye-opening over the last 11 years. So we've spent the first year or two just trying to figure out who who all is in, in this pond. Um, that's right. Yeah, over, been- 800, over 800. And interestingly, since the pandemic started in 2020, the There've been over, I think it was 331 new platforms have been funded, wow. and the in- increase in funding was up 30% in the last two years to something like 20 billion. Wow. So there's this massive growth. So how on earth would you keep up, like with platforms, well, I, let alone pl- authoring tools? <laughs> the end of the e-learning atlas story is that we couldn't, and we took it down. <laughs> um, Did you? It, yeah. It was, it was too big and crazy to manage. We had we had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what was the reason? So, what how, what was the reason to have people find authoring tools? What 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 were you? What was your purpose? Yeah, I, we regularly and to this day, a regular question is: Do you have a list of every LMS that supports Score One Point Two? No. Oh. Well, you might be working on that then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we tried. <laughs> Do you have a list of every authoring tool that can output a SCORM 1.2 course? Uh, no, we we tried. Um, there's a lot of them <laughs> is my answer. Um, I have data somewhere that is now old and outdated. But yeah, we we just got to the answer of a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> thousands, in mm-hmm. fact. Um, and so, so, like you said, so, it changes fast and the market is ever growing. It's it's an exciting little niche believe it or not to be in the middle of a bunch of things that are happening quickly yeah that's right yeah we've got a full-time researcher on it so that that does help i think we're not not trying to do it ourselves so yeah it's good it's it's exciting to see and there's some really cool stuff out there that like i wasn't aware of of course so yeah sitting in the bottom of the world down here yeah, <laughs> anyway I, th- there's cool. some really cool stuff out there i i'm interested we should probably check back in because i would I would love to learn what you found. It sounds like we've <clears throat> had similar attempts here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, a, it's that conversation we had prior to jumping on about time, right? We're probably in multiple it's timelines. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. What else do I have? I, I think that's pretty much really. We've we've talked about the benefits. You know, what were some of the criticisms? You know, the difference between the different standards. You did mention um, AICC yeah. as a as a standard. What's tell us about that? Governed by ADL. Um, It is a older standard that was used by the aviation industry and ownership got transferred over. Um, It handles the cross-domain browser security restriction problem elegantly. Uh, It it can be a package. What does that mean? (laughs) Mm, So uh, when we get into SCORM, one of the frustrating parts, especially about SCORM 1.2, is that it expects that all of your magic live inside the zip file. 
any mm -hmm. attempt to remote host content somewhere else and just launch and embed it begins to violate a lot of cross-site scripting errors that keep you safe while you're browsing amongst other things. Mm. So AICC was set up for a little bit better of, I gave you a little package, a shell, a zip file that you clicked play on, but the assets live in the world over here and we're not going to mm. get into too many fights about saying, hey, Chris wants to do this. So I'm mm. waving my hands uh, at a bunch of technical jargon, but that's why it's still around. Um, it, it's declining. I think it it might actually go away. Scorm 1.2 has a lot of tools in it like that can do some cross-domain stuff now, and we found better paths through it all. Um, I'd also so when you say when, when you say cross domain, have you got an example? Like, is it is it about security, or is it about yeah. the fact that it's it's not actually going over the waves and coming back as it should? Yeah. So Rustacy has a whole line of content control products, and what they're designed to do is to host the full version of a course somewhere. Score one point two, AICC doesn't matter, and give another LMS a tiny shell of a score or an AICC course that doesn't have your intellectual property living inside it. Right. They want to be able to update it remotely and sell it on a seat-by-seat -seat agreement and set a term to it and see how people are doing. And we're cheating in the way that we work through some of the technical security requirements to get around it. AICC is just natively easier to do that magic with. Um, mm -hmm. But again, you're seeing fewer tools that can output AICC files. You're seeing fewer LMSs that support it as a playback. It, it's as useful as people deem it to be useful and, and derive use from it. And with some tools that are out in the market, um, I think SCORM will probably continue to eat its market share, if that's a thing. It's not like there's license fees associated with using these standards that ADL governs them, and they're all free to use. But just how much life do you see in the market? And AICC, I think, is on the decline, and it should be. Yeah, the, the, others, yeah, the other standards <laughs> that are interesting for this conversation, um, the IMS consortium has some amazing standards through LTI. Uh, they're moving out of 1.1 and into 1.3, which is a useful tool that's starting to gain a lot of traction through another thing they call LTI Advantage, among others. If there's a competing so, body to ADL, it's IMS. IMS, interesting. So LTI, I quite like LTI and the fact that you can actually import the, you know, your courses or whatever you're actually trying to import straight in so I can sit mm -hmm. in both places. Um, you don't see a lot of it, and it's and, and I, I see a huge benefit in that. I'm not yeah. quite sure why it hasn't. Is it a standard as well? Is, it is. Or is it, yeah. it is a standard, yeah. IMS is more of a pay-to-participate organization that governs standards. Rustacy fully supports I am uh, LTI 1.1 and 1.3. Uh, we, we think it's great. Again, we we participate in all of these things. We, we just find these tools to be interesting ways to connect learning products, and we'll use whichever one of them is easiest for the customer situation that they find themselves in. And yeah, I, LTI 1.3, integrating a whole library instead of an individual asset and some of the things that they can do, it, it's really remarkable. And it's a first-class citizen and all the things for us to see is building and doing. Um, we, mm. we think it's great. But, you know, it, it's been adopted in different niches in different ways. And I think that's where... I don't know why, but these standards get a little niche sometimes. Um, LTI <laughs> has been very popular in educational platforms and not as much in some of the bigger corporate stuff, although that could change at any time. So, so can you give me an example? Because I, I was thinking, is it like Udemy would have a, a library and they would LTI into a platform that could take LTI or had, was LTI mm -hmm. compliant? Is that the sort of example you're talking about? Yeah, all of these standards kind of have that two sides of the coin. The mm. person with content has to do some effort to provide them as SCORM or LTI or AICC or CMI5. Mm -hmm. And then the system of record that knows Chris has these things to do because you imported these assets, a SCORM, mm. a CMI5, whatever, and give them a play button to, to launch it and see a report. So there's packaging work to be done from the content creation side. And then mm -hmm. there's player work to be done from the LMS yes. or the employee portal or TMS or LXP or whatever we're going to call a system of launching record. Mm -hmm. um, 
and and so you know the industry kind of shifts in well no one's asking for our content to be published as the standard why would we build a player for it well no if there aren't any players to put it in why would we build an authoring tool that can support it um and both are reasonable arguments which is why these things happen slowly from people listening to this podcast probably um <laughs> so like you know this is the slow shift but hey it, it's meaningful change and these things do evolve and people do use them at a pretty monumental scale when we look at how many scorm launches happened on the planet today millions yeah interesting and you can see that can't you mm-hmm I mean, yeah. pieces of it, not all of them, but we can certainly mm-hmm. guess. And you know how many tools are out there. Like, yeah, millions a day. Um, so <laughs> as these things go and change, their usefulness grows. Mm. Well, put it this way. I'm not going to be doing a replica of Find LMS for authoring tools because <laughs> I think that would be a nightmare. <laughs> but it's only one side of the coin, right? Like oh, they're know, right. Just, just wrapping your heads around all the places that could play one of these standards is, is a lot. Um, mm. But yeah, it. Yeah, I would love to see where you get. This is such an interesting time. Um, and it sounds <laughs> like, man, there's been a lot of growth since the last time I poked it that problem. yeah so yeah well let's we'll have an offline chat so because sure. this one has been so so enlightening and i hope our listeners have um also found that and just from an education piece and um to be able to just go onto your sites that you've recommended and, and find more information go to torrents learning find some people that might be able to help them you know do some of the amazing performance-based um tracking and measuring that will really make a difference in workplaces rather than just being, as I say, a quiz on an an LMS. So really awesome. Any final comments before we wrap wrap up and and leave? I'm just always grateful. If there's anything I can ever do to help anyone listening learn more about, figure out how to use these standards, hey, ask us anything really. We're easy to get a hold of. Just go to scorm.com. You'll find your way to us. Um, Excellent. Yeah, we're always interested in those discussions. That's all we're here for. Very awesome. Thank you so much. And um, we'll be in touch and we'll be talking more LMS. <laughs> it might be another, another conversation. Thank uh, you. I look forward to it. Thanks. If you'd like to get in touch with me to suggest topics or speakers, you can contact me on LinkedIn or Facebook or find the links in the show notes below. Keep on smiling. Keep on smiling.